You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BH Photography Podcast. Today's topic is the Impossible Project and the rebirth of instant camera photography. Joining John Harris and I are Patrick Tobin, who's the logistics manager for the Impossible Project, and George Weiss, a photographer who uses instant film photography in his wedding and other commercial work. Um, I can honestly say that Polaroids have been part of my life forever. Some of the earliest snapshots of me growing up were taken with my Uncle Jerry's Polaroid Model 95, the very first Polaroid made. And back in school, I often had an SX-70 or Polaroid 680 with me. And when I went pro, I had a Polaroid back for each of my camera systems, including a hacked Nikon F3. Then digital came along and Polaroid went poof along with a bunch of other analog and film camera companies. Film is dead, long live Tri-X and Instax. And then you guys come along from Impossible. Um, what were you thinking? <laughs> Patrick, if you could give us, first of all, a background of Polaroid and the transitions it went through and then how you guys got into it, because this is a very, very strange story. As you said, digital came along. You know, um, I think that Polaroid, uh, the Polaroid company maybe uh, wasn't ready uh, 100% for that, uh, for how ubiquitous digital would become. I think um, they made some stabs at cameras that might they, have been, they but, did. They, but um, nothing caught on. Yeah, and, and even, uh, I mean, they stopped making film in 2008, even, even up through 2005, you know, they were, 2006, they were still trying out new formats. They had uh, in the, maybe, maybe early 2000s, I want to say like, 2003, 2004, they introduced uh, the Joycam, which was a different, uh, smaller format film. Then they introduced an even smaller film called iZone, which was uh, very, very small strips with stickers. The photos Postage were, were stamps, stickers, basically. basically yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I think that they they maybe weren't, like I said, 100% prepared for um, for that for digital to become the the beast that it has become. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, so so basically, they 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 made the decision to phase out their instant film in the seventies, eighties, nineties. You know there was no digital, um, and so if you wanted a photo right away, you had to buy instant. And you know they really dominated the market for that, of course. Um, and then the audience was shrinking, I think, gradually, and it and it pr probably just didn't make sense financially to keep the the machinery producing as much film as it was producing. Especially when the cameras uh, were sitting at yard sales with $2 price yeah, tags on yeah. them. Um, so yeah, so they made the decision uh, actually a couple years prior to when they announced the, the discontinuation of the film, in, which was in February of 08. Um, they had already stopped ordering some of their chemical components and you know negative sheet, things like that. Some of the, the raw materials that actually go into what we know as an instant photo. Um, and uh, so they made that announcement in uh, in 2008 that they were going to stop making the 600 film. They had already discontinued the SX-70 film in 2006, but they had continued making the 600 film. They announced that they were going to phase that out and 
the user base, while it is smaller than it was uh, in the 80, you know, 70s, 80s, uh, there's still a dedicated, there was still and still is now a dedicated fan base and, uh, you know, of artists and, and uh, creatives who wanted to use this format. Did they stop making cameras before they stopped making film? Yeah, I think that the last camera was probably made in the... In, I want to say maybe like 03, 04, they stopped making cameras, I want to say. Okay, so they just started um, making camera food after that. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, but uh, what happened basically is uh, our, our the, the founders of what is now Impossible, uh, uh, Florian Caps and Andre Bozeman, uh, they actually met at the closing party at the factory, uh, the last remaining Polaroid factory, which is in the Netherlands in Enschede. Uh, and afterwards got together and and you know tried to figure out a way to keep this going <laughs> now they and weren't just passing through they were at that closing point no, because yeah. they already had a deep interest yeah. obviously in it right right so so uh, so, so uh, Florian cops was uh, actually before we were impossible we were uh, polar premium before that we were unsaleable which some people might remember mm. some some diehard <laughs> sure. users might have bought some film uh, from those sites it was un- unsaleable was a website and then polar premium and basically what what we uh, what we did then was we sold off some of the last stocks of the Polaroid brand film. It's a clearinghouse, right? So this was 600 film, uh, you know, from the last runs. It was some special edition SX70 Time Zero film, uh, some of the peel apart film, you know, Type 80 film, Type 100 film uh, from the factory in Mexico, which had closed already, by the way, uh, at this point. And uh, then this happened where the where, where Andre and and Florian met, uh, and uh, but Andre actually was working at the Polaroid factory at the time, um, and they 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 got some private investors together and uh, made their case that this is still an important How do you product. Do that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, that was one of the big things we were talking about yeah. here. It's like I'd love to hear what kind of a line do you have to deliver to to. Have people put money into an entity that is about, I mean, they're about to close the top of the coffin on this thing. Yeah, well, you know what, though? Here's the <laughs> thing. Is passion, so, so Polaroid, really? huge, huge company with this huge production scale. Um, for a smaller company to buy the factory, I mean, there's obviously that initial investment in the factory and the production machinery, which is what we have uh, from Polaroid. Um, but just the to make film. the film on a smaller, much smaller scale, which is what we do, you know, it, it's it's doable, I think, for a smaller company. Um and and we've actually done pretty well. I mean, um, you know, the film has come a long way. Uh, as I mentioned pr- uh, earlier, Polaroid had stopped ordering the uh, their chemical components. Some of them were made in house. Some of them were sourced from outside manufacturers. Um, and uh, they had stopped ordering these a couple years prior. So when uh, our founders came along, the machinery was there, the factory was there. You and know, what year it's is this? working. You... This was uh, 2008. Eight. Okay. Uh, so the machinery was there, the factory's there. It can it it can be turned on, <laughs> um, but uh, the raw materials were either no longer available or hard to source or environmentally unfriendly in some cases. So. Uh, they basically had to start from scratch, you know, reverse engineer the film that Polaroid had been making and try to make a new product 
that looks similar and was, you know feels were, similar. Were but, folks at Polaroid helpful? Do you know? Was there um, a collaboration you know, at all? Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know what they could have done. Um, in, you know, a lot of people when we when we tell them about how our film is made of different chemistry and different handling is required to you know during development, uh, the film is light sensitive, for example. So you need to just cover it, put it in the pocket or bag mm -hmm. to so develop. So this is not the same, even though it, they look like the Outward appearances aside, it's it's almost all new materials. And Everything chemistry. under the skin yeah. is new. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Um, so when we tell people that, you know, um, and the development time is a little bit longer too, um, when we tell people that, they say, well, why didn't you just use the Polaroid formula? And it, you know, it really wasn't that simple. You know, yeah. it wasn't a matter of, you know, people ask about patents too. Well, they didn't give you the patents. That's, it's not, that's not the question really. Um, you know, we have the machinery. We're the only company now that has the machinery to make this classic square film. But it's just that the, the, like I said, the raw materials weren't there and the film has come a long way. You know, earlier, the earliest film, the first film was introduced in March of 2010 and, uh, only black and white originally. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a beautiful, beautiful film, but much more experimental, um, you know, a little bit harder to use. And then gradually over the last, uh, six years, um, our, our chemists, our factory team, they're constantly working and mm -hmm. tweaking things yeah. and every batch, every subsequent batch is better than the last uh, with Must improvements. It's nice to be kind of at this moment, right? To see Exactly. Right now we're yeah. at a great, great place. Right. Um, yeah, I've been with the company a little over five years, so most of the You've seen it all. Um, yeah. the, the iterations of the film, yeah, I've, I've been there for. I, was, I actually started the week that we launched our first Color 600 film, which was called PX680, First Flush, that was the name of the film. Mm -hmm. um, and the new stuff we have now, we just launched a brand new film line across the board for all formats uh, on May 10th in conjunction with the new camera, the i1. And how many different types of films are available now? So we make film for the 600 cameras, which is probably the one that most people think of when you say Polaroid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, also <laughs> SX-70 cameras, uh, which were first introduced in 1972. Uh, also Spectra cameras, which are a little bit wider format. You may, you may remember those. Um, those were introduced in 1986. Um, we got very lucky and found uh, an 8x10 film machine in one of the warehouses in Massachusetts a couple of years ago. <laughs> so we do make 8x10 film. Have you ever shot it? George, and have you shot the uh, 8x10 stuff? I, I have not. I, Has anybody? I, like oh, I, I have shot we have. older yeah. 8x10 film, and I want to come back to this because okay. that's annoying. No, believe it or not, like we do, we do have um, people who, you know, artists who use our sure. 8x10 film. We do color and black and white. Um, and then we've also uh, just launched, as we were um, discussing before, the film that works in the vintage cameras, so the 600 SX-70 Spectra. Uh, the, the battery that powers the camera is in the film cartridge. There's no battery in the camera. Right. Now our line of cameras that we've, we're, we're now selling, the i1, the Instant Lab, those have rechargeable lithium batteries in them. So we're actually making a film now specifically for those cameras that does not have a battery in them too. So, so is it, which will theoretically be less expensive it to is. purchase. Yep, yep so it is. Can we talk a bit about the cameras then? Sure. Because, uh, well, just kind of go through the models that you have. What you originally source, what had a whole bunch of leftover stock of Polaroid cameras, or some, um, right? Maybe, or they all, maybe re some, or they all refurb. No, I mean, what we sell now, yeah, everything is refurbished. They're vintage pre-owned cameras. Um, they go through a lengthy process of, uh, of testing and cleaning up, repairing if necessary. And, you know, they, we, we have our own warranty that they come under as well. Who makes um, parts for these? Um, 
you know, I don't even know where they get the parts for them when necessary, other than other yard sale cameras. cameras. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think in most cases, yeah, they're just pulling from because we 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 also have a grading system. Um, you know, some cameras we get them from all over the place. Um, you know, yard sales, yeah. flea markets, thrift stores. So people, if you're listening out there, right? Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, eBay. You know, there there are so many. Um, I don't even remember the exact number. It's hundreds of thousands of these cameras out there, right? Oh, yeah. It might even I, be I, more millions. Than that. Millions. Think. Every yard sale, you, you could find yeah. them. They're there. And are people just sending them to you or contacting you uh, and saying, "Hey, we have them," yeah. and, and you have a team of people that are making offers and, yeah, and so, buying and right so we uh, we actually uh, our, our refurbishment process is done by a company called retrospect in milwaukee um they repair cameras they do our refurbishing um and and uh, send the cameras to us but that's how they source the cameras um as i mentioned ebay thrift stores flea markets um and what i was saying is we have a, a grading process so some cameras come in and they look perfect you know they might have a little bit of a scuff on them here and there uh, uh, cosmetically, they look great. They work great. Um, so we, you know, we we of course clean them up um, and make them look as good as new, uh, and sell those. But then other cameras we get uh, might be damaged. They might, you know, have a have a, a face that is really scratched up, and uh, and so we wouldn't sell that. Instead, you cannibalize they, they, them. exactly. Yeah. They yeah. would break that open <laughs> and take anything that they need out of there. You know, um, the flash unit, the, the, the any of the lens components. Um, some of the models have a sliding close-up lens, so they can take all that stuff. Uh, the faceplate. Um, I've actually seen a camera opened up completely and taken apart and then mm-hmm. put back together. And there's a lot of I'm sure a lot of good stuff in there yeah. we can reuse, you know. <laughs> so then, what, yeah. what, what's available? What what models are out there? So, uh, so we basically sell all cameras that we make film for any okay. of the formats we make film for. So, if you go to our site, you can find uh, several different models. Uh, there, Polaroid made so many different cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the 600 cameras. You know, there are so many different cosmetic differences where essentially the camera is the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the shape is similar. Jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they might have different color schemes or they change the name. I mean, some of them do have different features, but essentially it's the mm-hmm. same camera. Um, but uh, you can get Sun 660s, which were the autofocus models. We have uh, what's called a one-step close-up that was introduced in the early 90s, and that has that sliding close-up lens I mentioned, um, which uh, unlike digital, you know, we're used to being able to take our iPhone and shoot a picture of something couple inches away from it. Um, this was old technology. Um, the the sliding close-up lens allows you to get as close as two feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> otherwise, it would be four to four feet to infinity. Um, but so a, num- a number of different 600 cameras. Uh, we also sell the, the SX70 series, and that would include the that would include the original, which is the uh, chrome-plated plastic with the tan leather. That's that classic one. Um, we have sonar models uh, with the sonar autofocus, uh, alpha models where you know they don't have the chrome plating necessarily, um, and they might have an ivory plastic body with some uh, brown leather. Uh, then also the Spectra cameras. And do you sell most of the cameras through, do you sell them yourself? So do you sell yeah. them through other, like I know B&H obviously yeah, sells them. Yeah, um, uh, well, I mean, we do have a direct sale online mm-hmm. shop where we sell all of our items, um, all the film, all the cameras uh, that you could, you know, 
be looking for, uh, you can find it at our site, which is impossibleproject.com. But then also we do have uh, a a big wholesale uh, department where we have retailers that carry either the film or the cameras or both. And And you never know what cameras you're really getting. If if, if, When we order them, we're ordering refurbished cameras. No, not necessarily. I mean, we do have several different types. Um, You know, for wholesale, generally we have just the standard 600, you know, the black-bodied square-shaped cameras. Um, you know, and some of the Spectra full switches are, I think, are available through, th- through some uh, wholesale retailers. Um, some carry the SX70s, um, uh, but then also, you know, through this through our site, I mean, you you do get the standard um, square box type. Mm-hmm. With what we call a black flash. That's one you're going to find regularly in retail stores or like the one step close up I mentioned before. Um, for the full line, I mean, you'd probably want to check out our site because we have many different, as I said, different color combinations and things like and that. And would you consider your. I mean, you consider yourselves a film company more than yes. a camera company. Right, right, but the fact is, in order to use our film, you need a camera. But other than, so the i1 is, you manufacture that. That's our new this camera, is, right. This is the only camera you are actually manufacturing, right? So, uh, not the only camera. No. Um, the Instant Lab was our first camera. It's not a traditional camera. Right. You don't actually take pictures with the Explain device. what it is, because it's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so we launched this. We actually did a really successful Kickstarter for this in uh, at the end of 2012. Basically, this camera... Uh, allows you to take an image from your smartphone or your tablet and expose it onto our film. Mm-hmm. Um, people th- look at it and they think it's a printer. It's really not a printer. It has a lens in it. Yeah. Um, it's Exactly. It's kind of like an enlarger. Um, I mean, basically what the camera is doing is it's taking an image with its lens of your phone screen using the projected light from the screen. And you have some examples here and they, they look great. I they mean, do yeah. look good. They, they yeah. Look yeah. Pretty, pretty nice. So basically any digital image you have, um, either taken with your phone or taken with an SLR, digital SLR, um, as long as you can get it on your phone, you can use the uh, use our free app to expose it onto our film, uh, and the app allows you to select your uh, your which which speed film you're using. So, for example, we make, as I mentioned, the SX70 film, which is a slower ASA. Uh, that's about one. F- uh, 160 ASA mm-hmm. our film is for the SX70. You can use that. Uh, we also have the 600 film, which is 640 ASA. You can use that. Uh, and the beauty of it is that in the app, you select which film you're using, and then the app will adjust the exposure time based on the film <laughs> speed you're using so that you get an accurate exposure. Um, so that was the first camera that we released. That was uh, 2013 we released that. And then this is the i1 uh, that we the i1 we just released on May 10th, the first real viewfinder camera that we've mm-hmm. made. This is a first in many ways. I mean, it's the first uh, instant camera to have a ring flash on it, which is really beautiful, really good for portraits. Uh, it's got a simple pop-up optical viewfinder. Uh, it's very compact. It's very light. And yeah. it really looks like a rotary dial phone. Yeah, I said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Without, the, without the handset. Without the yes. handset. <laughs> right. I love the design. The to put it right on top like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a lot smaller than it looks because we, we, you know, we have it on our site, and we even talked about it on another episode. It is smaller. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more yeah. compact, and than it's you very think. light. So, so this is nice because it has, uh, you know, most of the Polaroid cameras are fixed focus. I'm talking about the box type cameras mm-hmm. like the 600. Yeah. These are fixed focus. Uh, cameras. This camera has five lenses in it on a wheel, and it uses infrared autofocus. So basically, similar to the old Polaroid SX70 sonars mm-hmm. or the SLR680, which you mentioned, uh, you press down halfway to focus. Yes. 
uh, that will get that basically the infrared bulbs that are on the front in the ring flash. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you experiment. You no, no, you're good. Actually, do, it if, do one so people can hear it. Yeah, yeah. you got to hear that sound. This beautiful sound. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's the um, sound. <laughs> so this camera will actually use the infrared, get a get a reading on how far away the subject is, mm -hmm. and communicate to the camera which of the five lenses to rotate into place, okay. which is really nice. Uh, and another, the difference between those lenses? It's they're basically focal zones. Mm -hmm. So there's a macro lens for about uh, I think the the minimum focal distance on this is just about a foot, which is pretty good also in comparison to the you know the 600 cameras, which as I mentioned were generally four feet, uh, three or four feet to infinity. Um, but so there's a macro lens for, for close-ups, there's a portrait lens, a group lens, landscape Are the focal zone. lengths changing, or is it just yes. the focal disc, the focus point? The focus point, basically. I mean, uh, depending on how far the subject is. So, so when George just took a, a photo of me, I'm maybe three feet away from you, right? Maybe not even. So it was probably on the portrait lens. However, if I was to take a photo of John, it probably would just be on the group lens because of mm -hmm. the distance. The so rather than autofocus, it chooses a lens to it rotates a lens <laughs> based on the, the, the distance yeah. of the subject, right? Mm. Um, finally, and can you control that manually as well? You can. So yeah, I, that course, that yeah. actually is a good segue. So right. um, <laughs> the the uh, the <laughs> other feature uh, with this camera is Bluetooth mode. And the Bluetooth mode uh, allows yeah. you to connect to our free app as well. And through the app, uh, you can do several different things that you could never do before with a camera for this format. There is a tripod, so you can affix it to a tripod, put it on a table. There's a remote shutter button. There's self-timer. There's manual mode, mm -hmm. which answers your question. Mm -hmm. In manual mode, you can select your aperture. You can select your shutter speed, which of the five lenses you want to use, mm -hmm. the flash Strength, you can select all that stuff. Um, there's also some some creative extra things you can do. There's a noise trigger. So basically the mic on your phone will pick up ambient noise. You can set an audio threshold, and once the ambient noise crosses that mark, that will trigger the camera. Uh, there is uh, light painting mode, so you can basically leave the shutter open if you're in a dark room and using your phone's flashlight, oh, well. draw, right. see those. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I mean, you don't need the app to use the camera. You can use this just like you would when with any of the old the uh, in conjunction with the okay. camera, yeah. So All May tenth, right. but that's uh, but the app that because you, you spoke about the app earlier, and that is the app. There's two apps the actually. Okay. There's one app that is for the Instant Lab. Right. Uh, and that's a separate app. And then there's the i1 app, and that contains all the features I just mentioned here. Okay. How do you differentiate from what Fuji's offering right now? So our film is uh, is just made of a, of a very different chemistry. It's a different technology also. Um, the Fuji Instax uh, film exposes through the back of the negative. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've seen those cameras, they will eject uh, the image from the top of the camera mm -hmm. with the negative facing your subject. Um, so they expose through the back. Uh, the dimensions are different. Um, the chemicals are different. The color palette's a little bit different. Um, you know, it's really more of an, of, of, if you're trying to decide what you are looking for, um, it's more of an aesthetic thing, you know, or, uh, the, as I said, the colors are a little bit different. The dimensions are different. You know, our film is this square format, um, that people associate with the Polaroid right. and that people grew up with. So yeah. there's, there's definitely a nostalgic pull, I think, for our format totally. film, um, 
but uh, and 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 it's just different with Fuji stuff because they either make the Instax Mini, mm-hmm. which is small pictures, they're about yeah. the size of a business card, right. uh, and then they make the Instax Wide, which is uh, wider than the Spectra format that we make, maybe a little bit narrower. The Instax line, as you may or may not have heard, is a uh, you know, it was the biggest seller for yeah. Fuji, and of course, they're putting out great digital cameras right now, also. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but you guys are taking a, a different approach. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. We're going to talk with George Weiss about his photography and how he is incorporating instant photographs into his workflow. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the BH Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at BH Photo Video, hashtag BH Photo Podcast. Okay, we are back. George, t- tell us a little bit about how you stumbled into using instant uh, prints in your workflow, which is predominantly weddings, is that correct? Yep, yep, weddings and portraits. Um, initially, uh, a friend had found an SX-70 at their uh, grandparents' house, I think, and they you know, brought it to me and said, you're a photographer, do you want to do anything with this? And, I mean, the, the camera looked cool, and I was really excited about it, but I didn't have really too much knowledge about, about any familiarity with it. It was, just I mean, <laughs> I have Polaroids of myself growing up and, <laughs> and, you know, like in the photo albums and, and I've used the cameras you, as a when child. When you started, did you start as a digital photographer did, or did you try yeah, so 35? First, um, yeah. I mean, I took photo classes in high school mm-hmm. and, you know, did 35 millimeter darkroom stuff. Some and, familiarity yeah, with it. Okay. I, lo- I loved all that. Um, but when I first started shooting professionally, I did the first two years pretty much all digital. Right. Um, getting the SX-70 was kind of the turning point of going like analog mm-hmm. as a whole. I get tired of the digital versus film argument because yeah. I think both have a place in, in the world. Now, um, you mentioned earlier that in your wedding photography, you shoot digital, you shoot film, and you shoot the instant prints. Yeah, I shoot a few different mediums of, so, uh, of analog. And what came first, now, sh- shooting the Polaroid? Uh, did that lead you to going back to film, which so, yeah, you really didn't have any experience with, right? Just high school uh photography classes in the darkroom and, and things like that. But so getting the SX-70, I think this was uh, around 2007 or eight before Impossible was mm-hmm. impossible. Um, and I was just Googling and trying you to mean find... Impossible was possible yeah. or probable. <laughs> I'm <Okay>. lost now. <laughs> I'm sorry to go back to this, yeah. but is it in, just Impossible or the Impossible Project? Well, the, the full, in- yeah, the full name of the company is the Impossible Project. Okay. I it's mean, a great we, name, we just know. refer to ourselves sometimes as Impossible yeah. also. Okay. Um, you know, the, 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 the film is, is branded with just our Impossible logo with the backwards P. Mm-hmm. So anything is fine, really. Anything impossible works. Project, okay. Impossible, right. you know. So anyway, sorry, George. Yeah, no, no, no worries. So um, got the SX-70, and I was looking around for a film, and, and it was like Polaroid was film was really hard to get, and that's when I think I found Polar Premium. And I remember ordering some uh, TZ Artistic, which is one of the, the films that was made with uh, leftover chemistry, right, from the from the factory. Mm. And just taking those first few pictures I and, and seeing what came out, it was like these, these tones that I, you know, couldn't imagine. And, you know, maybe you could you could emulate that with digital, but you'd spend a lot of time mm-hmm. in Lightroom and Photoshop and still wouldn't be close to the, to the real thing. So getting that and just taking portraits of people and, and just using it here and there. And when I was traveling really got me interested in, in, in analog in general. So at that point, which was about two years of, of shooting weddings, I started um, shooting more 35 millimeter and medium format and, and, Basically, it was hybrid shooter for a long time, and I still am to an extent where, you know, most of the day will be shot on film, but then the reception I'll shoot digital just because it's 
convenience. Right. You know, I mean, and that's that's it. Digital and, and film can live together. They sure. each serve a very unique purpose. Um, now, the question that's coming to my head right now is you could shoot film, you could shoot digital, and when doing weddings, ultimately what usually happens, you get the albums. Mm -hmm. Now, it's easier to take film and digital and put them together and you could have the prints going back and forth, mix them and match yeah, them. Yeah. Okay. How, do you, how do you work instant prints into that? They're not going into albums, are they? Um, so what I do is I'll, I'll scan them with a with a regular flatbed scanner, okay, and um, really high resolution. And I can put them right in the album, um, and actually looks almost like you could pull it off of the page. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah, with the printing, um, and it it blends really well with everything. And at the end of the day, the the client is getting a digital product. I mean, they're getting right. files. Right, you know, right. the the thirty five millimeter medium format are scanned photo scanned negatives, so they get those. And um and typically after the wedding, I, I'll I have a nice little presentation box i'll put the instant film images in there and send them along right. when you decide to go ahead and shoot with an instant uh instant camera what do you find works and let's say in the wedding uh environment so during the kind of creative por uh, portrait section of the day i'll i'll break out the sx70 or 680 or, or, or i1 depending on the situation um there's i don't know if there's anything particularly that i look for um i just kind of know it when I see it. Mm. So um, depending on the day, you know, if it's a, if it's a bright sunny day, I'll have the, the SX-70 because, you know, ISO 160 mm -hmm. is a little bit more, you need some more light than, than a 600 right. or, or the I-1. Um, but yeah, the folding cameras have pretty much been my, my two go-tos for the longest time, but the I-1 is changing that a little bit. It's nice to be able to do double exposures and, um, and the manual settings. It's uh, something I had kind of dreamed of since mm -hmm. the first time I shot instant film was uh and do you then give the photo i mean do you show to the photos of the the bride and the couple then or you just wait until later and sometimes then, maybe yeah. at the, the end of the night i'll yeah. i'll like give them a little sneak preview people ask like, the people ask to use the camera and yeah yeah people i mean especially people you know born in the 80s and 70s 80s 90s i think are remember polaroid fondly this iconic yeah. white frame image so sure. it really speaks to people and, yeah. i mean all the time it's people like are shocked they're like what is this? They're People confused. are still surprised that it's back. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, to I mean, me, not, not I, in Bedstein and Bushwick, of yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in Pennsylvania, maybe, and, <laughs> and other places. So, do you shoot interiors at all with it? Do you? I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like I like natural light. I mean, I use the mm -hmm. flash when I have to, but um, the six eighty and the i one are really good for kind of window light situations or or things like this. And especially, you know, I'll use my handheld meter and you know see what the light is and and dial it in on the i1 and it's wow. it's really easy to uh, to handle tricky lighting situations yeah, i would imagine it also adds a, a a nice piece of dialogue between you and the people you're photographing to have this absolutely yeah, it's novel like, camera from way back when that you're using yeah people are very confused by it because it's it looks new but it's also an instant film camera so yeah i don't think people know what to make of it always if you have your your iphone with you or whatever camera other than your instant what will you shoot with the instant? What will you shoot with your iPhone? I mean, is there, are there, you know, I, I, I like still like, you know, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, use instant, I but. feel like, um, if, if it's worth taking, it's worth taking on, uh, on any camera, you know? So if I see something that catches my eye, something that I, that I connect with, I'll, I'll use the instant camera, you know? I mean, the iPhone, it's, it's rarely, rarely comes out mm -hmm. on a daily basis for photos. So what's your, what cameras do you carry around with you every day? Um, I pretty much always have an SX-70 or 680 with me because they're small, they're easy to mm -hmm. fit in the bag, and um, my Leica M3 with uh, Tri-X usually. So. You're a man after my heart. 
<laughs> so, and my other question, I guess, is more for you, Patrick, but uh, or either of you. Instant film was used for a lot of commercial purposes, and mm-hmm. I used to work in the film business. So, you know, every uh, set designer, wardrobe, hair, they had a ring with a whole bunch of shots so they can go back and make sure they had the same wardrobe for the people. Yeah. Have you seen any or been surprised by any commercial uh, uses? Uh, or is it still or really more uses that you've seen people like using the medical yeah. field is always yeah surprising. We, it's funny we actually uh, so the spectra format film especially uh, that was m- m- the format that was mostly industrial so police used it mm-hmm. um, insurance agents um, and also uh, eye doctors and dentists um, so we, yeah dermatologists so we've had some people some doctors order the spectra film uh, actually some 600 film too. It depends on the, the the cameras that they have. But Polaroid did make these big uh, macro cameras for uh, for dentists and things like that mm-hmm. to take photos of teeth and of eyes, um, and you know j- big, big retinal pictures. So we do get um, doctors who still are using those, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as I've said before, there's certain things that you can get with with instant film that you can't get with digital. And some of these doctors have been doing this for years and they're hesitant to move towards digital just because they know what to expect. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Right, right. We've had fashion photographers use our film for New York Fashion Week, for fashion design, um, things like that. As tests or Um, or tests, but also just for editorials Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, for articles use in, uh, in, in magazines. Um, or for, you know, exhibitions. Just the the you artistic know, yeah. aspect right. of it, to have something different. One thing I, we didn't talk mm-hmm. about earlier, maybe we can throw it out. Can you explain how the the, the chemical process works within the film? Because, sure. Uh, In 50 words or less. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so one thing, so our film, as we said before, was outward appearances aside, all new materials, but it works in the same way. Right. So every photo in the pack has an unexposed negative, okay? And then at the bo- very bottom, one of the reasons, I mean, this 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 wide part yeah, at the, the w- bottom of the frame is not just there for... It's the right. chemical for, pod. That's right. exactly, that's where the chemicals, the chemical right. pods are, at the very bottom the of the photo. Border, are, yeah, it serves a, a purpose. Bit, yeah. It's it's actually, um, it's it's there for practical reasons. Um, but the, the chemicals are contained, the developer chemistry are contained in these three different pods. So what happens is, you press the shutter button on your camera. It opens the shutter, exposes an image, uh, in, depending on the camera, bounces off a mirror in the back of the camera, and then down onto the negative, exposes the image. Then the camera has a, there's a picking arm in the back of the camera, which will push the, the photo forward. The rollers in the camera will then grab hold of the photo and pull it through, uh, like a rolling pin or, you know, a steamroller. Um, but every camera is the same concept, mechanism, same, same mechanism, exactly. Uh, and basically the photo will be pulled through those rollers. The rollers break open the chemistry. Uh, the chemical pods at the bottom spread the developer paste up across the image, which has just been exposed on the negative, and that will begin the development process. Um, depending on the film, um, 
whether it's black and white or color, uh, which is another thing I don't think I mentioned before, that we make black and white film mm-hmm. in this format, yeah, too. You also uh, make black nice. and yellow film. We do. Uh-huh. We have some special editions. Yeah, we have black and yellow and some other ones. Um, but uh, depending on the film, whether it's black and white or color, um, the film will the photo will then develop. The black and white film takes about five to seven minutes to fully develop. Oh, yeah? Uh, it'll be, the photo will be like a blue color uh, during uh, when it first ejects. What's the full uh, curing time for these? Uh, around, I would say, as long as you keep them in a cool, dry place, um, they can. They'll the black and white. I think they'll probably be dry, maybe in twenty four, forty eight hours. I think so. Right, um, for it to fully set. Mm-hmm. Um, because for the eight by ten, I was reading, it's like a few. It's weeks. a little bit longer, right? Because of the <laughs> image surface is yeah. so much bigger. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, for that, for example, we recommend storing them upright mm-hmm. uh, so that they can, you know, they can the the chemistry isn't. Uh, isn't yeah, isn't pulling. Yeah, exactly. And it has a has a, a chance to sufficiently dry. It's um, another aspect that is interesting. That there's a very physical nature to this. It's 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 a, yeah. well, obviously mechanical with a camera, chemical, and uh, it's hands on. It's hands on. Yeah. Needs yeah. to be handled. Yeah, I mean, you could probably just shoot it, put it aside, and and forget about it. But if you want, and I imagine there are people who experiment. They control how the 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 chemicals. You know, seep into you the image. You can manipulate, and, yeah. And yeah. temperatures probably make a difference too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah, interesting. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back and talk about the future of instant photography. If you'd like to reach out to us with your questions or comments, email us at podcast at bhphoto.com. Okay, we are back having owned the uh, the original SX-70 and having prints from a zillion years ago that from my uncle's camera. Um, they hold up pretty well, the original mm-hmm. black and white, as long as you put that toxic goop on them. Right. Um, which we <laughs> None don't of that is necessary. None of that's film. necessary. No. Yes, <laughs> you need hazmat suits. <laughs> they should have had them uh, for the older stuff. Uh, they hold up very, very well, and, and I have a bunch of pictures from an SX-70 and uh, later from an uh, SLR-680 that look remarkably good these days. And this goes, this is 30, 40 years down Mm -hmm. the line. Um, If they faded, it wasn't much. And yes, they have been kept away from bright window light, UV light sources. They last. There is longevity. Any idea about the newer formulations? Because obviously this is, it looks like the old, but it's new. Right. So, I mean... In some ways, it's kind of hard to say because we're a young company. You know, we've only been making film for eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as you store these properly, I mean, I have some sample images here. Uh, this one here, uh, this photo of my wife, mm-hmm. I took this about three years ago, and it looks the same as it did the day that I took it. Okay. You know, um, and this is. Three years ago, three years worth of showing it around iterations exactly, yeah. and this is a sample photo that I show at demos and, and events. But also, this is an earlier generation of the film. Oh. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the film has is go- constantly going through changes mm-hmm. and being tweaked, and the development time is being brought down. I mean, last year we had a film that took forty minutes, a color film that took forty minutes to fully finish processing, and it was a very dark blue color during development. Then last summer we had a film that was a light blue, had a light blue emulsion during the development process, and it took about 30 minutes. Hmm. Now we're at 2025, and it's a light 
bluish gray. So this gray. is an organic, ongoing project. Yep, yep. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, later this year or early next year, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a faster film. Yeah. Um, and also the, com- the color palette is constantly being tweaked. I mean, the photos now are much cleaner. They're much smoother. Are you worried about getting them too good, too accurate? Well, I was just thinking <laughs> no, about that's that. Too. Right, because yeah. people are yeah. buying I mean, this for a reason. Yeah, well, that that's brings me back to the comparison with Fuji. Um, you know, F- Fuji uh, definitely has its, 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 uh, its own fan base. Um, but the Fuji stuff, for me, me personally is almost too sterile straightforward you know what i mean the colors are just what you see is what you get and our color palette is definitely different after, yeah. as george said before it's ethereal um i think that that's that that our goal is mostly to bring the development time down mm. and to uh to improve the light sensitivity now the current black and white film we have is no longer light sensitive so you don't need to shield it from light the color film you do but that's because there's more layers in each of the prints with this cyan and all the you know all the different the the different layers in the print um, so the, the two big things that our, our team overseas in, in the Netherlands at our factory are working on is bringing that development ta- time down to similar to what it used to be with the Polaroid film which was maybe three four minutes eventually uh, and then also so that you don't have to shield it so you know you can I mean our film is mostly sensitive to sunlight. Mm-hmm. Artificial light's not going to affect it, um, so you do have to shield the photo if you're out shooting outdoors. Put it in a in a in a pocket or a bag or something while it develops. And you know, part of it, the experience is watching it develop. So um, you know, we're we're trying to get to that level where you'll be able to eventually shoot our film in sunlight, not shield it, and you know, it'll it'll develop in about four four minutes or so. What so. about temperature ranges? Is, is this uh, have a narrow development range. Yeah, I mean, just it, it, basically the way the Polaroid film was too. I mean, if you're shooting in cold, very cold weather, uh, you know, you're going to get very low contrast images. Well, what Might they be had was foggy. in the lid of the camera, they had a thing that was cool, but they used to call them the, the cold pit clip. clip. Yeah, <laughs> the cold, but they call them pit clips. Yeah, where yeah. It was an aluminum frame, like yep. a clamshell that you put the print into, and then stick it under your armpit. Yep, and use yep. your body heat. That's to what develop I. It. That's what I do, and I think George yeah, I does do too. Okay. Yeah. If you're shooting in <laughs> yeah. cool weather, just tuck it under your arm. There that's you what go. I do. Um, warm weather uh, with the current film doesn't really affect it. I mean, if anything, it will it will help the emergence of the image. Uh, speed up, you know, mm-hmm. so you'll get to see your image sooner with the warmer temperatures. So. As a rule, generally, I um, not with the black and white film, but with the color film, I'll tuck it under my arm anyway. With um, the original Polaroids of this type, you'd have a, it'd be like a, a, a bluish white frame. Then you'd watch the picture come through this right. white haze, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't the picture coming through; is that white Clearing. film clearing yep yep that's, it was a that's, light block is it the same process that's what here? that's what takes so long okay in, with our film um is that opacifying agent which is there Opacity. to protect the negative it takes longer for that to clear and that's what we're working on bringing down so the 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 dark blue opacifier that we had last year took 40 minutes to clear and then it was tw- 30 minutes and now so these are instant so. prints for people who are not impatient Right. Well, the black and white is very fast to develop. In the black and white, you'll see yourself start to emerge or you'll see your subject emerge in about 30 seconds. Uh, but then that blue color will still take about five minutes to fully clear. It's sort of the, the magic of white. watching a print come up in a dark room. It's the same thing. It's and beautiful. that's what a lot of people yeah. just love about 
traditional analog yeah. photography is that magic of watching that image come so up. You, you get ne- it here. Yeah, you pull the negatives out of the tank and... Are you selling more cameras to younger people? It's as a compared mix, compared to honestly. people who, like my generation, I mean, I grew up with them. Well, a lot and of I people... I saw them die. And yeah. Now they're back. <laughs> well, a lot of people, um, you know... Uh, maybe older people, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, they might have a camera already that they forgot about and it's in their closet. Mm-hmm. So they find out that they can buy the film again and uh, and take it out of the closet. And in most cases, it still is going to work. You know, the camera, the battery's in the cartridge, right? So all you need to do is put a pack of film in there. Um, so we get older people who use it, um, but then we also get younger people too. I mean, we get people in uh, in their teens who, you know, nev- never grew up with this medium. They might as well be speed graphics these yeah. days. It's, um, it's but it's just different technology. for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, it's something that they may be just missed um you know for kids born in the 90s um you know you know or the even the 2000s i mean we're getting to a point where yeah. they're like <clears> in <throat> their yeah. teenage years now um you know who never experienced this before and just want something different you somebody know? who's experienced of a camera is a phone this has got to be unique for it's them. incredible I think, I think i'm sure it blows their minds to yeah. how amazing technology and what an amazing thing it is in general is that kids who've never seen it before when they when they see it for the first time are are mystified and, yeah. and they want to use it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can speak on, on with my family. My daughter, who is eleven, oh, she's perfect. Brought one to a birthday party. I brought it to the birthday party and passed it around, and they were blown away. I mean, yeah. this speaks to the people who've never seen it before. But it's my feeling, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, though. But in general, this is well, let's call it uh, a millennial thing. I don't know what the word is. You want it a hipster thing? But there's a lot of. I didn't want to use the word. Okay, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of people in their twenties who are, you know, they're. They're very familiar with digital photography, and and like you were speaking earlier about LPs and this idea that the, the, you know the quality of, of analog systems, the the uniqueness to some degree, um, and they want to incorporate it into their work. They're not going to just not one or the other, but that seems to me at this point anyway is, is kind of the main. Yeah, I mean, we have people who are artists who use the film, but mm-hmm. then again, you know, um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about technical things, mm-hmm. um, you know, so far today. Um, but a lot of people, I think, don't, don't even think about that. And I think George kind of touched on this, too, mm-hmm. is that um, for them, it's just they press a button, the photo ejects, and they can watch it develop with their friends. So you don't need to have this technical know-how, really. Right. You know what I mean? And There's no electronics, no batteries that need to be charged. It's right there. It's yeah. Real. I mean, you just open it up and you start shooting. I mean, that's true for our camera, too. I mean, you do need to give it a charge when it's out of the box. But it's very easy to use, too, the i1. Mm-hmm. Um, just turn it on and start shooting. And uh, so you don't need that technical know-how. Um, and that's, I think, something that's always been true for this format is that, it, you know, this product, this format film has basically been for everybody mm-hmm. for years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, anybody can use it for whatever they want, whether they're using it to shoot weddings or they're using it to shoot models for fashion or they're using it to shoot their birthday parties, as right. you mentioned. Um you know, it's really for everybody, and you can use it however you want. For someone out there listening who is going to start, you know, looking through closets and garage sales, do you suggest that they uh, they send their cameras to you guys, or they just start using them themselves? Well, um, and buying the film. You know, really, you need to just get a pack of film to try to see if the camera works because of the fact that the battery's in the cartridge. Um, most cases, I would think that if you took good care of your camera and it's in your closet, if you break it out and put a pack of film in, it should be fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you do need camera repair, whether it's a 600 camera or an SX70 or even a Spectra, you could send it to Retrospect in Milwaukee. They're our source for cameras. Mm-hmm. 
otherwise, uh, you know, you, if, if you wanted to, you could buy a camera from us. I mean, yeah. we, we do sell them refurbished, um, and, and they do come with a one-year warranty, so anything technical that happens to happen do you, uh, to it. I, I guess I asked this earlier, but do you buy back cameras? Then, I mean, if someone had a yeah, camera... Yeah, if somebody and, has a camera and you want to sell it, too, you could contact Retrospect. They'd uh-huh. be interested in buying it for you to uh, to turn around and, you know, clean it up and test right. it. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so again, I mean, we make film for the 600 Polaroid cameras, the SX-70s, the Spectras, uh, and now the iType Any cameras. Any possibility of coming out with Peel Apart? Uh, you, you believe me, you're like the millionth person to ask me that. Because I used to do the Polaroid transfers, which are magical. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love to be able to do that again. Not not us, unfortunately, at least not in the in the immediate future. Um, I mean, we don't have the machinery. Those are those, That film is made with different production machinery, which we don't have. Well, check out uh, the B&H site and, of course, on the Impossible site. I mean, the... the the range of film is pretty impressive, and obviously the, the cameras that are available are, are pretty cool and nostalgic or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, impossibleproject.com, yeah. simple, simple Any address. other cameras coming out in the uh, imminent future just, that we should come out with this? Yeah, I mean, this... <laughs> yeah, I know, but this is a few months ago already. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we're still focused on the i1 now. It's brand-new camera. It's exciting, so... Well, you got to push for the holidays coming up, and you got yeah. you know... Yeah. No, th- this is a beautiful, first of all... Even just as a party camera, because unlike every phone and point and shoot and DSLR and mirrorless camera, you pull this thing out, you have somebody's attention. That's a conversation right then and stimulator. There, right there. What is that? Yeah, totally. Oh, okay. I, I, I just want to throw one little story uh, in uh, as we end up here, as we wrap things up. Uh, a good friend of mine who has since passed worked for Polaroid his entire career, and he worked with Dr. Land. And um, one of the things that Dr. Land used to do on a very regular basis, no matter where he went, he had a leather satchel with the latest camera in it, film and everything else, and on the slightest provocation, he would open it up and take out the camera and show it to you and take pictures and invariably gave the entire kit to whoever he was talking to just to spread the word. And it's really kind of neat to hear the same sense of enthusiasm going on here Mm -hmm. uh, to take something like this and get real juiced about it and put it out there. And it's a successful product. It's a great idea. Yeah. Well, thank you for for having us on. I mean, as I said, we want to see this do well. um, And, you know, we're here with this company because we love it and we believe in it. And, um, you know, we want to be using it into the future. Great. What's your website, George? GeorgeWeissTheThird.com. That's all spelled out. All spelled out. Yep, the yep. third. George Weiss, the third. And to check out more of the Impossible Project products, what's the website? It's ImpossibleProject.com with a hyphen, ImpossibleProject.com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you, George. Thank you to my producers, John Harris and Jason Tables. Um, and again, leave us a review on iTunes. We much appreciate it. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today.